This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips. Good morning and welcome to Town Square Sunday. I'm your host, Jim Phillips. Each week we speak with individuals and organizations striving to make the South Coast a better place to live and work. We are meeting today with two members of Our Bodies, Our Lives Coalition for Reproductive Justice and Bodily Autonomy. The co-chairs of this organization, Andrew Pollack and Gail Forts. Uh, welcome to you both. Let's start there. Hey, thank you, Jim. Thank glad, you, Jim. glad to be here. It's a pleasure. The coalition was uh, formed in response to the June 2022 decision by the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, and uh, that was a, obviously a landmark decision, and it's affected uh, many people, I'm sure, in a variety of ways, um, uh, negative, and for some, I'm sure, they may think this is the, that was a great day. So um, let's talk about folks who perhaps didn't feel it was such a great day um, and why this coalition was formed. What's the purpose of the coalition? Can we start? Uh, Gail, let's start with you. Sure. Um, well, our co- coalition was formed pretty much uh, right after last summer, right after that um, decision was overturned. And for many, you know, people that were involved, they remember, you know, when this first came up over 50 years ago. So it's really shocking, you know, to many people. I mean, I remember being at work and, you know, my phone blowing up and not realizing what was going on because it wasn't on social media or anything. And people just wanted to talk. They wanted to gather, especially people who had worked on this issue 50 years ago and, you know, looking at processes and how these things, you know, happen. So just looking at what this means for people in our community, not just women, but we're talking about women, women who identify as women, non-binary folks and their families, because this is, you know, a a human right. It is an issue, you know, that affects all of our communities. And then what does, what does that mean? Because there was just a lot of uncertainty. So people just wanted to gather together to have discussion and have um, discussions you know, about this issue. One thing we want to make clear, uh, despite the Supreme Court decision, if you need an abortion or feel you have to have uh, 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 an abortion, uh, you can still get an abortion in Massachusetts. Still yes. av- that, that medical service is still available. Correct. Right? Nothing has changed in, in Massachusetts to date. All right. Um, so, Jim, how we expanded the coalition was we started to look at Uh, the idea of body autonomy, the idea that people have the right to do with their bodies as they choose. So that medical freedom, I think some people like to use that term, and the idea that um, trans folks are also under pressure so that that there are over 400 legislative issues going forward to limit trans folks. And it seems that the whole idea of... um, reproductive services and gender affirming care went hand in hand where people were limiting the effect of um, medical services on people's own choices. So we wanted to coalesce around that larger issue of both um, reproductive health and trans health. It seemed to go hand in glove. One of the points I know you want to make uh, about the abortion issue is that uh, while you still can get an abortion, in Massachusetts, it is much more difficult uh, here in the South Coast. There is not a lot of providers Correct. willing to take that step. 
Uh, tell yes. us about what you found, Gail. Well, what we found when that was one of the first things that this coalition worked on last year was like, let's look at what provisions are available. And in 2022, we looked at the most closest place was going to um, Attleboro, going to Boston, or going to Providence, which is, you know, unaffordable and unattainable for many folks. There was nothing at all in the South Coast. We call it an abortion desert. There's there's nothing here at all for, for services. So we looked at, we did some surveys of local providers, medical providers, uh, social service agencies, community organizations, not only to see who was providing, you know, these services, but also educational services as well. And we saw that there was nothing. So one of the uh, local providers, Health Imperatives, which has offices throughout the South Coast, and there's one in New Bedford as well, has been doing reproductive health services for for many, many years. So this was one of the things they wanted to look at. Because also, too, when we talk about reproductive health, we're not just talking about, as Andrew said, um, you know, abortions. We're also talking about transgender health. We're looking at reproductive health as far as um, access to contraception, because that's been, you know, discussed as well. And a lot of folks don't have access to that um, across the country. So we're looking at that. And we're also looking at maternal health and maternal care and to see what services. So in speaking with health imperatives, they were working on how do we add that, those medication numb abortion services to, to their services, which they have done so this past July of 2023. So look, why aren't providers providing this service? Uh, are they, are they, they don't want to have protesters outside their front door. They're conserved. Their leadership is conservative. Why aren't providers doing their job, frankly, and providing the kind of health care that women uh, need uh, and sometimes want very desperately? And is legal in the state. Yeah. So that is a yeah. wonderful question. We have reached out to South Coast Health Systems and we're waiting for answers from them. And we've reached out to other providers. Um, some are sympathetic, others just don't respond. And I think it is a very controversial issue, mm-hmm. but it's one that's very important because it affects women of color, um, women who are in lower economic statuses more dramatically than it does uh, other folks. And you know, in, in the area in the South Coast, it's a, it affects negatively women's health. So um, you're waiting for answers, but I mean, there's, there's a lot. While you're waiting, there's you can speculate on why some people just don't want to do this. I mean, I'm thinking. I'm sure it's all the uh, uh, men, uh, all the reasons I've mentioned, and maybe more. I'm, I'm sure, Jim. I, sure, I mean, it's it's hard to know for sure. I mean, sure. we can speculate, but we know that a lot of people don't even want to discuss it, and we know that it's. It could be funding, it could be donors, it could be public perception, it could be, as you said, leadership. We know South Coast Health is going through transition. So we are hopeful when the new CEO um, arrives that we were able to meet with him and discuss this issue as well as some of the other providers like Hawthorne Medical, um, the health center. And I think for some of the smaller centers, it is it is a money issue as well. Even with health imperatives, I mean, the, the first step is having the... Um, medication abortion in the pill, which is less cumbersome and less costly than actually performing the sure. surgical services. So we know that that piece, not that they're opposed to doing it, but they just don't have the infrastructure and have the funding to be able to support, you know, those services. So I think it's it's a mix, you know, of issues. Andrew, we're we talking about really two areas uh, in the Commonwealth that uh, provide these kinds of services. I know health imperatives are doing it and, and yes. that's great. But Attleboro and Boston generally considered to be the areas 
where the service is provided? Nothing yeah. out west? There is um, a few out west, not not many, but it's mainly Providence, a lot of Boston-based places, um, Cambridge, and there's one provider out Western Mass, but even nothing on the Cape and Islands, no, no services there. Wow. So you would literally have to travel, say, if you were on, you know, the islands to, you know, ferries and trains and however you would need to be able to get, you What's know, What's the for group services. doing to try and change that? To try and, I know you met with South Coast and that's fine. Uh, Just to be any? clear, we haven't met with South no, Coast. We've, we're trying. We're trying to. to. Oh, we're you so haven't met at all with South Coast? No, no, not yet. We're okay. hoping when the new CEO, you know, arrives. We've reached out, but we've gotten no response. But I think the two, this is an advocacy issue. Um, one of the pieces that you know we're working on is, is speaking with not only um, these types of organizations, but also with our legislators to make sure that there's funding, you know, in the next budget cycle for for these services. So a smaller, you know, institution like Health Imperatives, as compared to a South Coast or for South Coast or Greater Bedford Health Center, if they want to do, or any of these local centers throughout the South Coast, can have those those funds to have those services, as well as the education piece that goes along with that, because that is so, so important. You're listening to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. My guests are Andrew Pollock and Gail Forts, co-chairs of Our Bodies, Our Lives Coalition for Reproduction Justice and Bodily Autonomy. Andrew, of course, heads the South Coast LGBTQ Plus Network, while Gail is the Chief Operating Officer of the YWCA Southeastern Massachusetts. Um, so Andrew, talk to me, you mentioned early in the interview that you, there are hundreds of pieces of legislation around the country that, uh, can only be termed, uh, anti-transgender and, uh, you know, uh, I think for people going through that, uh, process, um, it just makes it so much tougher, their lives so much tougher. Uh, talk to me about some of this legislation. Yes. So uh, there's legislation against um, trans athletes, which to me is a red herring. Um, if you show me, I know one out of all the trans folks that I know, I know one very good runner. He was a great runner as a man. She's now a great runner as a woman, and she's in her 50s. But for every one trans athlete, there's thousands of trans folks who are facing things like violence, uh, between 40 and 50 trans women are murdered in the United States every year. We do Trans Day of Remembrance. Those of you who want to participate, it will be on the steps of the library January, uh, November 20th, Trans Day of Remembrance, from 5 to 7. Uh, unemployment, discrimination, poverty, uh, um, violence, um, bad health care, it's endemic across the trans community. And for people who are looking at wondering whether an athlete can compete on a swim team when there's thousands of folks that are facing really terrible things every day. It seems to me a little disingenuous. The second is people are interested in um, keeping children from transitioning or at least thinking about transitioning. And that to me again is a little bit of um, medical freedom. Normally a parent, doctor, therapist, endocrinologist, a whole team of people, and the child decide over time what's best for the child. And the statistics show that when a child is allowed to transition, or at least dress in the appropriate gender that they identify with, 
they are they're less suicidal they're less self-harming they are they're happier you know all these statistics but there's really a push against this saying that it's um grooming and um uh, i guess what else would be the word uh just you know encouraging these kids to do this where it's the last thing and I, and I wonder when people are saying that that you can't do this like have they what if they had a trans child what would they do and then yeah, some i mean of this, i think I, I i i agree with you i i know that uh, um when people are considering this even adults i mean there is there's discussion there's this isn't something you jump into no, it's a huge. It's not dress up. I mean, right. a little kids play dress up all the time. That's you know, that's not it. But when you're a child, you discover early on whether you're left handed or right handed. Right? Were you left handed or right handed? Right handed. Very good. Left handed people were seen as a sign of the devil for many years. I mean, right. I know people who went to Catholic schools that had their left hands whapped. You know, and there's an, uh, some kids understand early their gender identity. Um, and it, if it continues over time and the parents are concerned and there's negative effects of this uh, dysphoria, then um, to bring a child to a therapist, to bring a child to the doctor, to bring a child to an endocrinologist, just seems to be like good parenting. So prohibiting that seems to be a little bit of abuse. I mean, if you had a kid that had cancer, you would seek treatment. Whether the outcome is a transition or a non-transition, at least you're, you're taking care of your child. But laws that are prohibiting that, like in Texas and other places that are being suggested, seem to me very punitive. I mean, you look at the statistics around trans youth, and there, you know, there's a very high instance of suicide ideation, self-harm, bullying, violence, etc. I would say uh, in Massachusetts, uh, there probably is a slim but not zero chance that you might find a piece of legislation that is... Uh, uh, you know, so anti-trans, but you you tell me because I'm sure. Well, you, you look at find um, Boston Children's Hospital, how many bomb threats they've gotten, and how much slack they've gotten because of what they're working with with trans youth. Mm-hmm. So um, it's there. It's it's, it's, it's there. definitely there. I mean, New Bedford, they were flying with Nazi flyers just a few days ago. Yeah. I, I just you know to to close our eyes and say we're in Massachusetts, we learned the hard way. Yeah that that's not necessarily uh, the liberal haven that we thought it once was. There is violence and there is um, uh, threats threats to our safety. And harassment and all of that. Uh, now, the coalition has received some help lately from the Women's Fund to uh, cover expenses faced by women mm-hmm. Uh, who are seeking abortion services, um, which uh, I'm sure you feel is a, a wonderful thing. Yes, the um, the Women's Fund is a great partner, and they're also a member, you know, of this coalition because we're part of the Women's Alliance, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, initial generous gift of uh, twenty five thousand dollars was made um, last year when we had a uh, a rally. We walked from Buttonwood Park down to the steps of the library. And had people gathering, people speaking, and some generous donors made that gift to help women and people who identify as women and non-binary folks, you know, obtain those services, working with Planned Parenthood, you know, at the time and now with health imperatives, as well for things such as, you know, helping with appointments, transportation, 
for services and counseling services, whatever the needs, you know, might be, and really looking at getting that out and, and broad. Because again, this is a very private issue. It's not comfortable sometimes for someone to walk through the door or make a phone call. You know, a lot of times they're not even telling, you know, anyone, you know, about this. So making sure that they, women and anyone who needed these services felt that they had a safe place, a safe space that was confidential, that there was someone that spoke another language, you know, if necessary, and then could understand the, the circumstances, especially if it, in the cases of, you know, rape or incest, too, that, you know, sometimes they just don't want anyone to know, you know, what's going on. So at least we're able to have those those services and that insistence was, you know, very, very important, especially with traveling, you know, to Boston. Yeah. And, We've got to, uh, only got a short time left, but I understand that you uh, also have had support, hopefully in both of these issues, trans and the abortion issue, uh, from clergy members. Yes. Uh, which yes. Uh, I think is... Uh, uh, Somewhat of a surprise. These are controversial issues. People yes, argue yeah. about these things on the street. You get people, I'm sure, your rallies blowing horns in support and throwing a, slum, a thumbs down or worse when they're driving by. So I get it. Yeah. This is a controversial issue. And for clergy members to step forward, that's a great thing. We've got clergy support across the board, which is great. Mm-hmm. And we realized that we needed to do this because a lot of the reasons for people to oppose these services are religious. And to have another expression of Christianity or Judaism or whatever the religion may be, mm-hmm. to say that we support women's health, we support trans health, and we support what you guys are doing, we thought was very important. Yeah. Well, uh, that's an interesting turn of perhaps from 20 years ago when you might not have had right. any clergy support. So uh, Definitely. My guests have been Andrew Pollack and Gail Fortz of Our Bodies, Our Lives Coalition for Reproduction Justice and Bodily Autonomy. Thank you both for coming in, offering your thoughts on these issues. Our pleasure, Jim. Yes, thank you, Jim, for being on us be here today. Stay with us. There's more coming up on Town Square Sunday. <laughs> 